Hello and welcome to episode 302 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Thank you for joining me today for a story from London that centres on a very modern issue, a personal sex video sent via WhatsApp and which had the most terrible repercussions for so many people. But firstly, have you got your ticket for my show in October yet with Mike Murdermile and Paul the True Crime Enthusiast? We are in the Retro Bar in Manchester on the 4th of October for the next stop of our show, How to Commit the Perfect Murder and Totally Balls It Up. Come and join us if you can. You can buy tickets on all my social media channels. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if you're heading to CrimeCon Glasgow in a couple of weeks, please do come and say hi to me in the hotel bar on Friday night or at my stand, I use the term very loosely, on the Saturday. I'm not going to stay Saturday nights, so unfortunately we'll miss the quiz hosted by the legends Bob and Ali from the excellent Twisted Britain podcast. As always, let me begin by thanking all my supporters at Patreon, but especially the new members of this community. That is Karen, Stuart Reed, and Danny Behan. Thank you so much for your support. Okay, so no adverts today, but don't worry, I know you love the adverts, so I promise you they'll be back next week. For now, let's head straight to our never copied Guess the Month and Year game. Top of the UK music charts was Ed Sheeran featuring Stormzy with Take Me Back to London. Lizzo was at the summit in the US with Truth Hurts. And in Australia, the top album of this week was Hollywood's Bleeding from Post Malone. This month saw tragedy as a diving boat caught fire at night, killing 34 people asleep on board of Santa Cruz Island in California. The novelist Margaret Atwood published The Testaments, her follow-up to The Handmaid's Tale. Are you a fan? The UK Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, compared himself to the Hulk character from Marvel. In a newspaper interview, he said, he really did say this, the madder Hulk gets, the stronger Hulk gets talking about the UK exiting the EU. Okay? (laughs) If you remember, this was a month when our MPs completely lost the plot with their Brexit and anti-Brexit shenanigans. What a shower, a lot of them, eh? This month saw travel company Thomas Cook collapse after 178 years in business, triggering the largest ever peacetime repatriation as over 150,000 holidaymakers were left stranded. And we were all partying in the street, weren't we, after Buckingham Palace announced that Princess Beatrice, or was it the other one? No, it was definitely Beatrice, was getting engaged to some rich bloke. Exciting times. So did you guess the month and year? It was September 2019. Earlier in 2019, in March, 33-year-old Mark McCann Barrett married his partner of 19 years, Amy Dragic. The couple lived in Waltham Cross in Hertfordshire, just outside the M25, with their three young children who were aged from five years to eight. It had been a tough few years for Mark and his family. Ten years earlier, his half-sister, 34-year-old Jacqueline Barrett had been murdered. A mum of two young boys, Jacqueline had experienced a tough few years, but was getting her life back on track 
when in the summer of 2010, she met Hussam de Gemma. And at first, the relationship blossomed and the couple appeared blissfully happy. But not for long. De Gemma was a violent, possessive and controlling man with previous convictions for theft and burglary. By November, Jacqueline confided to her mum that she was being told by De Gemma not to have anything to do with any men on Facebook or even look at their profiles. By the start of December, he was physically assaulting her. And in the early hours of December the 10th, De Gemma killed Jacqueline in a frenzied attack with a fire extinguisher before strangling her. He later told his murder trial that the pair had argued and Jacqueline had insulted him, saying, I became very agitated and angry and started to feel blood rush into my head and I started to shake. There was so much tension built up within me, frustrations and anger. He told how he threw the fire extinguisher at Jacqueline twice before straddling her on the kitchen floor and strangling her. He denied murder but admitted manslaughter. But to the delight of the public gallery, the Old Bailey jury rejected his defence of provocation and convicted him of murder, stipulating he had to spend at least 15 years in prison. As always at the end of trials, we often on this podcast speak about the family's reaction. And this time too, it was really hard not to feel for Jacqueline and Mark's mum, Angela, at the conclusion of this trial, when she was quoted as saying, I've been struggling to come to terms with what has happened. I keep thinking she is coming home. Mark and his wider family were very close and devastated by what happened to Jacqueline. Two young children had lost their mum, and as we've heard so many times on this podcast, the effects of a violent death ripple widely and can last for generations. But let's get back to today's story. It was just a normal September evening, and Mark and Amy were home with the children in Waltham Cross. At about a quarter to midnight, Amy picked up Mark's phone and started to flick through the images. When she came across a video, she didn't like one bit. It showed a young woman masturbating with a sex toy to the camera. The person in the video was Georgina Duncombe, who was the ex-girlfriend of one of Mark's good friends, 40-year-old Louis Kelly. Amy was, as you would expect, clearly very unimpressed, and she demanded to know why her partner had this video on his phone. Mark rang his friend Louis and told him to tell Amy that he must have sent it to him for fun or by mistake on some occasion when he was drunk. But Louis was really upset by this news. Although Georgia had initially sent this intimate video to him six months earlier when they were still in a relationship, she'd also sent it much more recently to Mark via WhatsApp. Why Georgina had sent this video to Mark was unclear, although it was because they were likely to be having some sort of affair that would make sense. Either way, like Amy, Louis took this news very badly and he did not believe that he had sent the video to his friend but that it had actually been sent by Georgina. Mark wasn't aware how strong feelings Louis still had for Georgina and he'd been devastated when she ended the relationship so suddenly. He already suspected that Georgina had become involved with somebody else. And now he had this news 
that she had sent the video to Mark, one of his best friends. It now seemed increasingly obvious that the man that had caused the breakup of the relationship was in fact Mark. That phone call it called it to midnight left him practically certain that she was in a relationship and that person with whom she was involved was Mark McCann Barrett. But he knew just how he could find out for certain. When the call ended, he set off from his home in Tottenham, North London, to ex-partner Georgina's place in Harefield, West London, to get her phone and see if she sent the video to Mark. He picked up her iPhone from her house before leaving with it and heading home. And having accessed her phone, his suspicions about his friend Mark and Georgina were confirmed. He could see from the calls made and received and the content that Mark and Georgina were in fact in a sexual relationship. Louis was devastated, utterly devastated and angry. Meanwhile, Mark and Amy were involved in a heated argument about the video. Mark had been drinking and taken some diazepam tablets, so eventually he took a cab to his friend Louis's house in the early hours of the next day. Louis invited him in and Mark spent the night on the sofa bed to give himself a little space to think about what to do next. Early the next morning, a neighbour of Louis heard shouting and what seemed like cries for help from his house. And at 9.30 that morning, a distressed Mark was seen staggering on the stairwell outside by Louis's neighbours, covered in blood. He was badly injured. He was clearly in a really bad way and an ambulance was called and rushed him to a hospital in East London. There was no sign of Louis. The police soon arrived at the scene and detectives were able to figure out just what had happened on that morning. Louis Kelly lived with a flatmate, Thomas Saunders. At 7.34am, 16 minutes after Thomas had left the flat to go to work, Louis was seen by his neighbours briefly to walk down to Spencer Road seemingly to collect something from his car before returning to the flat where Mark had spent the night. Mark was still fit and well at 8.43am when he spoke briefly to Amy over the phone. But at 9.08am, within 25 minutes of that call ending, Louis Kelly left the flat and drove away from the area. By the time Louis left the flat, it appeared he'd shot his friend Mark multiple times. He fired a Glock 9mm pistol five times into his leg and his feet, causing massive bleeding. The bullets passed through both of his legs and were subsequently found by senior crime officers beneath the sofa on which he'd been lying. The search for Louis Kelly began with numerous police conferences and statements across the news and social media desperately searching for him and warning members of the public not to approach him as he was armed and dangerous. But there was no sign and no positive sightings. Had he left the country to escape justice? But then 10 days after the attack, on the 27th of September, Kelly was stopped by police in a vehicle driven by another man in Chippenham Road, Maida Vale. It later emerged that his friend had encouraged Kelly to hand himself in and had attempted to call police in order to make this happen. Mark was still in hospital, in a critical condition, desperately fighting for his life. So Kelly was arrested on suspicion of attempted murder, 
and taken to a North London police station where he was charged with that offence on September the 29th. But just a day later there was terrible news as Mark succumbed to his injuries. Mark McCann Barrett was just 33 years old when he died and left behind his wife Amy and four young children. A post-mortem examination held at Haringey Mortuary found the cause of death to be complications of hypovolemic shock, including hypoxic ischemic brain injury, which is extreme blood loss and lack of oxygen to the brain, and multiple gunshot wounds to the lower limbs. Leah McCann, a cousin of Mark's, spoke to the Evening Standard newspaper, saying, It's a lot to deal with and take in. He lost his sister to murder as well. Everyone has already been through so much already, but now we've got to go through all of this again. His mother was beside him when he died. She never left his side the whole time he was in the hospital. Mark always tried his best to help others who were struggling in life. He always looked at the good in people. He always helped many people out there. His family was always his main priority and his children were his world. Now their world has literally been turned upside down because of this. You sit and think it will never happen to my family. We're all right. And then it does happen. And for it to happen twice, it's just indescribable. When he spoke to the police, Louis Kelly denied murder. He claimed that Mark had lunged at him with a knife and he fired the gun just five or six times due to the shock of what was happening. He said that when Mark had arrived at his place in Tottenham, he seemed really out of kilter, not himself at all, and he was wearing a hood to conceal his face. Kelly said he was concerned. He told how he then invited his mate into the house, but when he turned round to see him after shutting the door, Mark was holding a knife and a gun. When Mark tried to attack him with a knife, Kelly told how he managed to snatch the gun and purposely shot at the lower body as he didn't want to seriously injure Mark and this would inflict lesser wounds. At his trial at the Old Bailey, Louis Kelly denied murder but admitted the charge of manslaughter. During the trial, Kelly claimed he had shot Mark McCann Barrett in self-defence but using a pathologist, a firearms expert and bloodstain analysis, the prosecution showed that Kelly had in fact attacked his victim where he lay sleeping and defenceless. They were also able to present evidence that suggested that Kelly had planned the attack in the hours before by going to collect a pistol before inviting Mark to his home to spend the night. But the jury cleared Louis Kelly of murder and instead convicted him of manslaughter by a majority of 10 to 2. For this offence, Kelly was told that he would spend at least 12 years in prison. The killer showed no emotion at all as the guilty verdict was read out and there were no jubilant scenes in the public gallery as Mark's family bowed their heads when they heard that Kelly was guilty only of manslaughter and not murder. In a victim impact statement, Mark's mum said, Mark was a loving partner and father. His whole world revolved around his children, my grandchildren. I will never forgive the person who did this to Mark. He's taken away the father of my four grandchildren whilst they were still so young. I won't ever be able to tell him how much I loved him 
and how much he meant to me ever again. Emma Curry from the CPS said after the trial, This was a violent act driven by jealousy and resulted in Louis Kelly killing his own friend. This senseless killing has destroyed two families and left four children without their fathers. I hope this prosecution goes some way in providing comfort to all those who loved and cared for Mark McCann Barrett. Our thoughts remain with them at this time. And finally, Detective Chief Inspector Neil John, who led the investigation, said, It's concerning that we so often see such extreme violence being considered as an acceptable response to conflict. There is simply no justification for taking the life of another. Had Kelly not been in possession of a firearm, Mark McCann Barrett may be alive today and Kelly would not be facing the prospect of being jailed for many years to come. So what do you make of what we've heard today? I appreciate that we weren't at the trial and so we didn't sit through all the evidence. But I wonder if you or anyone else listening to this podcast has even the slightest doubt that this was premeditated murder and not manslaughter. No, nor me. I do wonder about these verdicts sometimes, when it's so clear that murder should have been the verdict reached by the jury. Are they just overcautious to avoid making any perceived mistakes? I wonder. But it means that Louis Kelly will be out of prison in his early 50s, with lots of life still to be lived. He'll be able to enjoy all those fun times and occasions that he took away from Mark and his family with his actions. Would you want any of your family or friends to become involved with this man when he comes out who can react like this with such extreme violence? And it wasn't even heat of the moment stuff. He had had the opportunity to cool down and reflect overnight. But in the morning, he'd still decided to carry out the murder of his friend in the most brutal fashion. And how do some of the people in the story today cope with their roles in the events we have looked at. Just how must Georgina feel about the video she sent to Mark? And I wonder if Mark's girlfriend, Amy, feels guilt for scrolling through his phone. No doubt they are both mortified by the events that unfolded, but of course neither should feel any guilt at all, none whatsoever. The full and complete accountability for Mark's death lies with the man who pulled the trigger but the reality is that they will never fully recover from the events covered in our story today. And then there are Mark's four children who've been left without a father, and his mum and siblings who've lost another close family member to violence so soon after the murder of Mark's half-sister Jacqueline. It's just not fair, is it? And for what? I know we sometimes hear all this nonsense, in my opinion, about honour and respect to justify what it really was all about. A jealous man. Louis Kelly, jealous, unable to handle and manage his emotions. I know, it's utterly pathetic, right? But while we have no sympathy for him, due to his actions, so many others have had their lives destroyed through no fault of their own. It makes me so sad, and as you can tell, in this case, angry. Mark McCann Barrett was just 33 years old, with so much to live for and so much more to give. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Weekly podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspect of UK True Crime, please head to the Facebook group, just search UK True Crime, and you will find over 83,000 of us ready to chat 24-7. Just search UK True Crime and walk through the wardrobe into Narnia, or something like that. And to support the show, please head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. Not only will you find over 50 bonus episodes, with the next one out tomorrow, but there's loads of other exclusive content and competitions. You can join me on Patreon for as little as £1 a month and cancel at any time. Just head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. And please don't forget to join me in Manchester on the 4th of October Tickets are on sale, so get the link from the show notes or any of my social media channels. Me, Mike and Paul will be in the bar beforehand and afterwards. It's going to be a great night. Okay, so that's all for me for another week. I'll speak to you again on Tuesday for another episode from the only UK true crime host with a fresh towel always ready in the back of my car and Rochdale as a favourite on my sat-nav. So until we speak in on Tuesday, please do take it easy, despite all the others. I know, I know. Whatever you do, stay classy. Cheerio for now.